Come on. Welcome to Lightblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Mark Mark Watson. Mark, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, let's 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 go. Mark is the founder and chairman of Aquila Capital Partners. He's an entrepreneur. He's been investing in innovative companies, growing businesses for more than three decades. Mark, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thanks for having me this morning, George. And um, I guess I'd say when I'm not being a dutiful father, husband, and building businesses, I'm likely racing sailboats in the ocean, climbing mountains, snow skiing, riding mountain bikes. Uh, I, I guess you could say I enjoy extreme sports to take my mind off of an otherwise busy work day. And it seems to work. Nice. I appreciate that. What is it about... Well, I don't know what the best question is. What is the best jumping off point? How do you decide what to focus your attention on when, when you wake up in the morning? Do you already know what, 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 what you're going to be doing? Is, 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 is your day pretty planned out? How does that work for you? You know, I try, that's a really good question. I try and plan out about half of my day and, and I try and leave kind of half of my day open to things that I, I think are going to happen during the day. And, and that's a, that's a habit that I purposely created years ago when I realized that you can spend your whole day meeting people and then you get to the end of the day and you wonder what you accomplished. And, and I remember when I was very young, I had a, I had a boss who said to me, you know, you may think you're really busy, but sometimes you may confuse activity for, for accomplishment. And I was like, ah, good point. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've tried to meet with people who used to work for me. And they're like, you know, I'm so busy. I got a 10 o'clock and a two o'clock and a whatever. And I'd look at their calendar and I'm like, well, when do you have time to think? And when do you have time to, to deal with stuff? And they're like, uh, that would be a problem. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I look, I always try and find time to think about things as they happen um, during the day and find find a little downtime. But otherwise, a pretty a pretty programmed day looking for opportunities or or uh, uh, talking to, to portfolio companies um, along the way. It's it's fascinating to me that uh, we need to it strikes me that we need to focus more on thinking on having more space just to be able to think and process information um and it's kind of weird that that needs to be talked about is 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 that odd to you well i guess having done it for so long no but but yes because most people don't and I remember, again, years ago, I would be sitting in the boardroom um, with my board of directors, and we would be talking about all the different things we had going on in the company. And at this point in time, we were <clears throat> trying to go from being a U.S.-based business to a global business. And it was really, really busy. And, and 
I think I was talking in an animated way and my hands were probably flailing around a little bit. And, and one of my colleagues on the board looked at me and goes, Mark, you're supposed to be thinking about what everybody's going to do, not doing. And I'm like, I know I am doing that. But, <laughs> and, but you know, it's like, sometimes you've heard that expression, you've got to slow down to speed up. Uh-huh. And so frequently you've got to just kind of take a time out and really think through what matters right and what really needs to get done instead of just reacting to what's coming at you and you know how 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 often do we want to just reply to that last email that just came in sometimes when we're in the middle of a meeting as opposed to being more thoughtful about how we use our time and not surprisingly the more thoughtful you are probably the more successful you are Right. That's that, that, that. That's not surprising. I guess it sounds easy, but does hard kind of a thing. So I, I, at, at the top, I talked about how you've been growing businesses and investing in innovative companies for more than three decades. And what an innovative company is, was different three decades ago than it is today. As you're talking to new companies who want to grow and want your firm to invest in them, how do you how do you take in new information about a new technology and make a decision about or educate yourself on this is a good thing a bad thing this is something we want to put our money into well you know it in some ways we've kind of gone in a full circle from from 20 years ago to today and so the narrative may be slightly different and and the the lexicon may be slightly different, but but there are more things that are that are similar than they're different. And and actually, let me go through them because I think it's it's kind of really useful. So right now we're in this era where where technology is really transforming a lot of businesses. Technology. What's different today than before is technology is more available it's less expensive. So more people can adopt it and use it, use it, which makes it more pervasive, which actually means that you're getting these, these transformational benefits. But, but today, you know, the buzzword is disrupt. Everybody thinks they're going to go disrupt, pick an industry. It doesn't matter. There's, there's some new disruptive business or, or self-proclaimed disruptive business in, in almost every industry. And then just go back 20 years ago to the dot-com era. And I, and I have to remind people that, that what the dot-com era is because it's funny how after 20 years ago, after 20 years go by, you kind of, for, sometimes you kind of forget what happened or you might've been in school back then so you don't, you don't actually know. And I think that has a lot to do with with, uh, with how history repeats itself. But I remember back in, in 99 and 2000, so during the dot-com era, I actually lived and, and, and ran a business in Menlo Park. One of my portfolio companies was based out there. And by the way, this was not a very tech-enabled company and we were trying to transform it into one. So think of the irony of that. And, and, and actually, if you go back and you look at all the the what were then called dot-com companies, what we would call today tech companies or in my space, fintech or insure tech companies. 
if you look at all the companies that started back then, almost all of them failed. I mean, we had, I mean, back then there were like what five pet food companies and, and five <laughs> online grocery retailers, but, but nobody really, nobody really thought through how to actually deliver the value to the customer that they were pitching on the internet or, or on the radio or wherever. And, and also I think people didn't think about how much it really costs to build a brand. And so you'd see these, these VC backed companies blow through tens of million, or in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars, and then finally give up because all of a sudden the, the narrative went from, well, how much are you going to grow this year to, well, do you think you'll ever make money? Hmm. And, and you look at so many of these business models, by the way, the dog food companies were a great example back there. The pet companies were a great example back then. Their cost of their customer acquisition costs was so high that they were never going to make money, but they hmm. were just throwing, you know, one round of venture funding after another to keep ramping revenue, even though, the bottom line was never going to catch up. Okay. Now, I don't know if that sounds like a familiar narrative, but a lot of that's happening again. And so I, I think it's kind of interesting to, to toggle back and forth between how people were trying to use technology and grow 20 years ago and, and, and how they're, they're using it today. And I come back to what I said a minute ago, which is because it's less expensive, because it's easier to use, it really is making a difference in a lot of tech. And I will, a lot of companies call themselves tech companies, but what they really are are tech enabled businesses. Hmm. And that's actually where I spend a lot of my time and focus because there's some really exciting things going on right now. Yeah, that certainly makes sense that there are companies out there that are in the lawn care industry who refer to themselves as tech companies, but they're technically technically probably just a tech enabled company. So when, hmm, so a pet food company, not a tech company, a tech enabled company, but here's here, here comes a big buzzword for you, but an artificial intelligence company that strikes me as potentially a tech company and new and weird technology that I can't get my brain around to listen to a podcast with Eric Schmidt yesterday. And I got terrified. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, if an AI company isn't a tech company, I don't, I don't know what <laughs> it is. And, but, but it is, it's kind of frightening on a lot of different levels. Um, you, you do have to wonder, you know, is there going to be a world and, and Elon Musk has talked about this as well, where machines kind of take over and, and, and all of a sudden we're left being a part of the matrix. If you recall that, that movie, all of a sudden you think, wow, could that, could that really happen? Here's, I, here's the good news or bad news. I don't, I don't know how to say that, but ju just like most companies are not disruptive, most AI businesses are really not AI businesses in the sense that there's not that much machine learning going on. They haven't figured out how to use neural networks. A lot of, uh, think of AI today anyway, as more aspirational or a lexicon for companies that have figured out how to create algorithms from, from their consumer's behavior or their business partner's behavior that they can then 
do something do something more useful with make it easier for you to to know what you want to watch on netflix make it easier to know what you want to buy on amazon i mean i'm just taking some very simple yep. examples um in in the insurance industry figuring out where losses are really going to 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 happen whether global warming really is playing a role in in catastrophic events today and particularly the the, the intensity of storms that seem to, to happen, not really as often, uh, not any more often than in the past, but when they do happen, they tend to be a lot bigger. So, so there are, there, there's a lot of data getting crunched trying to figure things out right now, but not too many companies have made it to that next level yet, but it's coming, you can see it. And again, part of that is because the cost of technology is so much less today than it was before. And also the cost of storing data is less than it was before. And you've got to have massive data storage uh, facilities in order to, to be able to crunch that data in an, in an AI environment. And by the way, we've now, we've now exceeded my knowledge of AI and I am invested in a couple of AI companies. I think that that's, uh, th th right, that, that's kind of a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because you're obviously, well, I, my, my perception is you'll never be an expert in the companies that that you invest in. That's the reason you're investing in those companies because you're expecting or hoping or banking on that the people who are running those companies are in fact the experts and they have unique knowledge and have a business plan and a some kind of a framework or system that you think is going to win the day. Well, the, the answer is yes. But what, what I've found I found two things, um, and again, part of what I'm going to say applies to to first-time entrepreneurs who have really good ideas and have come up with what they think is that killer app or killer product, but they've never run a business. And the other thing that I found, and, and so so they're not really quite sure how to navigate that. But the other thing I found is that that the toolbox that it kind of takes to build a business really transcends one industry to another. And, and I've been doing this long enough now that, that I've been able to prove that with portfolio companies in a half a dozen different industries, most of them FinTech, but, but there's plenty of consumer companies in there as well. And so that's what I really enjoy is knowing that there's a formula of how to build a business and, and helping founders and their teams build their toolbox so that they they can go out and block and tackle once they figured out their strategy to go build their business because there is there is a real formula to going about it as opposed to just trial and error got it and if you don't know that then you don't know it well you know well that's where you know by the way trial and error is also referred to as innovation mm. so <laughs> So you could you could innovate your way there, but but also, you know, or you can be really thoughtful in who you bring in as an investor, and and that's really kind of how we started Aquila uh, back in the late '90s. We had this notion that that new entrepreneurs were going to come up with much better ideas than us, but they'd not part of them really hadn't most of them hadn't really ever run a business before and so we said well look why don't we partner our operational and and strategic know-how with their ideas and also 
we'll write a check and and it's actually it's actually been been really really good in fact earlier this year earlier this month uh ink magazine came out with their their first ever founder friendly list hmm. and uh and i'm happy to say Aquila made that list and they interviewed a number of of our portfolio uh, company CEOs and asked them a lot of pointed questions about whether we really were helpful or if we just said we were and wrote a check. So that was pretty good validation. Yeah, for sure. Well, congratulations there. Appreciate that very much. I imagine that you're a curious person and and when when you get pitched, or I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to use the wrong language, when you have the opportunity to meet with a a founder, a potential person that you're going to invest in, is that is it as exciting today as it was when you started? Tell me a little bit about those 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 feelings as as you're walking into that meeting. Well, you're you're right. I I am a very intellectually curious person, and and try very hard to work with other intellectually curious people. And not surprising, not surprisingly, most founders are pretty intellectually curious and that's how they came up with the idea to, to start their business. Uh, I'm as excited today when I walk into a room uh, and meet uh, uh, a CEO for the first time uh, today as I was before. In fact, sometimes I get even more excited today because I can more clearly see the potential and the runway to get there mm. or the path to get there. Um, whereas when I was younger too, yeah, by the way, so when I started Aquila, I was in my early thirties. So, uh, that same boss I referred to earlier used to tell me back then that I was seldom wrong and never in doubt when I was in my twenties. And I think, <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. And, but that's kind of what keeps us moving ahead is that we have these ideas that we're pretty sure are going to work if we can just stick with them. And so, so you know, with, with now a little more experience of what works and, and doesn't work and, and an ability to apply that pretty instantaneously in, in a meeting, it's even more fun today because you can just see how you're going to get there. Or conversely, you see what's not going to work and you say, thank you for your time and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Is it, do you view that as, as a responsibility to say, Hey, I don't think that this is going to work. Or do you only reserve feedback like that if somebody asks, or do you just keep it to yourself? Oh gosh, you know, it depends. Um, I'm more likely to give the feedback than not. Uh, the only time I wouldn't is if it's pretty clear to me, the person doesn't want to hear it. Mm. Then by the way, that's, pretty rare. Um, but it does happen. And in which case you go, oh, okay. And, and usually it's the people that are, it, it's, it's usually the people that, that have, have not done something before. And so they don't know what they don't know. Uh, even serial entrepreneurs that I've worked with, they're actually more interested in the feedback because they can process it better. And they may not, they may not decide to, that it's useful, but, but at least they hear it. I like it. Well, Mark, we veered a little bit from what we were intending to talk about, but people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, I think my difference-making tip is, is everyone can think like an entrepreneur if they want to. 
they've just got to have a good idea and or, you know, I was talking about toolbox earlier. And so if you take the time to hone your craft, then you'd be surprised how valuable that is to other entrepreneurs. So maybe you don't have that great idea, but you can help those entrepreneurs with their great idea and, and join an entrepreneurial team because you bring something to the table that, that other people don't. So my tip is go hone your craft and be very good at something and make sure people know you're very good at it. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on, come on. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? So if you're an entrepreneur, uh, you can go to my, my website, which is Aquila, A-Q-U-I-L-A, vc.com. And I've got that toolbox out there that we've talked about. Uh, or probably the best way to get me one-on-one is to just go on to LinkedIn and shoot me a message on LinkedIn. And I really do reply to every message. Might take me a day, but I reply to everybody. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Mark your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to AquilaVC.com. That's A-Q-U-I-L-A-V-C.com. And check out the toolbox we've been talking about and then find Mark on LinkedIn as well. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.